had a couple songs with Tony Yayo and Young Buck, Lloyd Banks, Monty, 50 Cent, and that whole crew. Uh, meanwhile, I'm playing in this punk rock dub band. That's the voice of Stu Brooks, describing all the different types of music he played early in his career. And he's today's guest on How the Story Goes with Jackson Neal. Hey, I'm Stu Brooks, and uh, I'm a bass player and music producer. As you heard from the previous snippet, Stu has done almost everything. As a studio musician, he worked with hip-hop titans G-Unit in the early 2000s and pop stars like Lady Gaga. He's a two-time Grammy Award-nominated musician, and now it's time for him to go out on his own. He has a new EP due out later this year, and it features names like Patrick Stump of Fallout Boy and Angelo Moore of Fishbone. From his story as a studio musician to now as a solo artist, this is Stu's story. All right, so before we get jump into the new EP, I want to get a little, little background on you. So just how did you get started in music? Let's go right back to the start. Okay, so I grew up in Toronto, and I was at a um, school that had a great music program, and uh, I sort of, um, they had a jazz program there, and uh, I had some friends that had a band um, with no bass player, so I, I joined up with them. Um, my neighbor actually had a bass and he lent it to me and uh, I just kind of, it came naturally to me somewhat. So I kind of obsessed over that. Um, so shortly after that, I joined the uh, jazz program at the school and um, over within like six months, the private teacher at the school um, said that he could see me doing music for the, my, my entire life. So at that point I had, uh, never um really considered that a an option um so within a few weeks i dropped out of that school and pursued music i ended up going to an art school in toronto which was like 50 percent academic and 50 percent music and started working in clubs in the downtown dance music scene i was playing a lot of funk and r&b kind of stuff at the time and uh Shortly after that, I um, applied to Berklee College Music and um, ended up going down there to Boston and studied music there for about four to five, four years and started a band there. And that band then um, moved down to New York as a crew and started working towards getting a record deal and playing around town. And um, 20 years later, I moved to L.A. and here I am now. There you go. And I, I read, yeah, I read that you went to Berkeley and I, saw, I read that you moved to New York and you mentioned that you had lived in New York for 20 years. Once you moved to New York, just what were some of the opportunities? What were some of the things you were working on once you moved to New York City? Um, well, luckily I had a had the band and the crew of people like involved in the band. Um, so I had a little contingency of people like for support and friends there. Um, not going in cold. So that was nice. And um, we were just working on getting shows and um, doing local shows in Manhattan and Brooklyn and eventually started doing a bunch of showcases for some major labels. And as that was happening, I started meeting, you know, other people in the music scene and doing jams around town and then um, sort of established myself in the city there after a couple of years. Then that band actually broke up after a while. I had uh, auditioned for 
a band called Topaz, which was an Afrobeat uh, dub group. And that was my first real touring was with them. Um, we had done, uh, the first thing was like a two month thing with the Whalers, Bob Marley's band in 2003. And um, over that time, the band that I was with um, basically regrouped and formed a new band. Um, but I came back a different bass player and formed my own band uh, called Dub Trio with some of those same guys and uh, um, got a record deal with that and started playing around uh, New York like intensely. We would have like three weekly residencies. So we'd play around like three different residencies in a week. Um, and then uh, gradually started getting a little reputation and somehow we um, got some traction in France and then we ended up signing with an agent out there and we started touring really intensely in Europe. And um, that was like the beginnings of my band, Dub Trio. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, hearing that it's, you bounced around, you know, earlier in your career, you kind of bounced around a lot, work with a lot of different people, I guess. How did that working with all those different people kind of help you form that basis for your career? What was it like to, what did you learn from working with in different bands, forming your own band? What, what, what was that process like? What, how did that help you learn? Um, well, I guess, um, around that time, it was like right after college, I moved down to New York. Right. <clears throat> and so I was working with this band and starting my own band, but at the same time, it was my dream to be like a session musician and, uh, have a lot of variety and, uh, like my musical background has a lot of variety too. So, um, that works. And, um, I, Sometime in 2004, I started working with uh, G-Unit, which is a 50 cents record label <clears throat> and all the artists on that label. So I had a couple of songs with Tony Yayo and Young Buck, Lloyd Banks, Monty, 50 Cent um, and that whole crew. Uh, meanwhile, I'm playing in this punk rock dub band. And um, I found that between those two worlds, I found like a niche, like finding like my own voice where i'm like really into 808s and and dub uh like low frequency sub bass kind of stuff and so that became my nickname like bassy or or dubby or subby people would call me all different things like that um meanwhile playing in a punk rock band and implementing um different uh so dub trio uh, was basically a platform for us to do whatever we wanted. And in that case, I could apply like hip hop or dubby bass mixed with metal and punk and rock um, and electronic music. Um, so having that platform, I was able to like establish a bit of a reputation and my own voice. And um, so if somebody wanted a certain thing, they knew it who to go to like if they wanted um like a rock dubber hey, there here i am sounds good yeah and i mean like you've like you mentioned right there a lot a lot of different versatility in that but one thing you mentioned was always wanting to be a session musician that's something you've done a lot in your career what drew you to that specifically wanting to be a session musician um it was i guess the early idea was like to uh, be a professional musician, you need to be ready for any gig at any time. And I loved being able to prepare for that moment, um, which is 
constantly something I'm working towards. Um, and, uh, I think, um, I just knew that I had to have my hands in, I had to wear many hats in order to have a lucrative music career as a bass player. Um, so not only just session music, music, uh, session work, but also like I realized that there's opportunities to be had, um, with more responsibility within a band setting. So being a musical director or a producer or getting involved in engineering and mixing. Um, there's so many, um, aspects of music business that a performer can get involved in and i i think as a just being a band guy isn't quite enough you know you need to um, really expand um your skill set and be prepared for different scenarios that might arise so you would almost say it's almost for you more fulfilling to be playing this one genre and this one setting and then this one genre and this one setting, just kind of bouncing around being that versatile stuff. Is that that more musically fulfilling for you rather than just, like you said, sticking in one band, being one, a band guy? Yeah. I mean, variety for me is super important. You know, it keeps things interesting and keeps you learning. Um, you know, if you're in one situation for a long period of time, you could become uh, trapped or feel stagnant creatively. Um, but uh, yeah, like, a common um, expression that I hear is like golden handcuffs. I mean, like that, that is a blessing to have a job that's steady. And like, sometimes that's like all you need in order to uh, fulfill yourself. But um, at the same time, maybe it's just too easy that way. And when you have um, such a steady gig that like, you don't have any other challenges going on. Um, but I mean, it's not, it's not easy. So if you can get that gig, um, then, you know, and you want it, then keep it. But um, I find that uh, the variety really just keeps me inspired and learning and growing on a daily basis. For sure. For sure. And yeah, I, I like, I like that mindset, you know, you're not doing something new, you're not challenging yourself, you're not pushing yourself. So, you know, you've had this career work with all these different types of musicians, all these different, in these different bands and everything. Now you're releasing the solo EP, as you mentioned before, that's coming out this year. Just tell me a little bit about the process of making this EP. When did this start? What's the process been like? Well, I think over the years I've um, made many friends and um, a lot of different musical relationships. And when um, the pandemic hit, um i started making songs just for the sake of making songs and i was hitting up different collaborators some friends of mine and people that inspire me and uh um so the first uh the songs that are on the record that were in that category like are the songs with uh patrick stump and angela moore it's patrick stump from fallout boy and angela moore from fishbone and uh jason allen butler from fever 333 were making songs just for the sake of making music. I'm not really sure where the songs would live. Eventually I had this folder of music that was like, well, we should put this out. And so I hit up uh, uh, Dine Alone, which is the label in Canada that put out my last record with Dub Trio. And um, they got excited about it. So um, from there um, I had to make maybe eight more songs um, to make a complete uh, LP. And for me, 
um, as a bass player, um, well, as the artist, uh, my name is on the cover of the album. I'm the artist by way of production, kind of like how Mark Ronson, um, do you know, you know Mark Ronson? He, oh, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like he's known for producing Amy Winehouse. And, um, I mean, many artists, um, Bruno Mars. And, but uh, he, he did his solo uh, record by way of production. So it's kind of like modeled after that kind of process, I, I suppose. Um, so it's called the solo record, but I think it's more of a collaborative record with different features. Each song will have a different feature, a singer or a producer or instrumentalist. And uh, so far, um, so good. Like, a, and now I'm getting uh, remixes. So that's so fulfilling to um, collaborating with different producers and mixing engineers to have re reimagine the songs in a different way and um, give the songs more life. And uh, so, but um, after the first early batches of songs, I, I um, started and got the deal with Die Alone. I figured um, the next batch of songs will have to be something more in line with what I would call my solo record. I'm trying, I, I struggled with that for a little while, but after um, several weeks of collecting gear and playing around with different instruments, I found like a sound palette that I liked to go forward with. And that would be like the sound of the next six songs or so. And um, I uh, just started writing, like had a deep dive in learning some of these gear, this gear and, and, uh as a result wrote a bunch of music and so now um the next step would be to find the collaborators from there and uh yeah so the result will be heard in december exactly and it kind of sounds like almost like a microcosm of your career just like different collaborators on each track different kind of sounds on each track yeah exactly so for sure so Tell, so, so far, you know, with these collaborators, just tell me a little bit about why these specific collaborators that you've chosen to have on this project. Is there something particular about each one of them or is it just kind of natural how it came across? It was very natural how it came across. Like initially it was just like um, Patrick um, who sang on Sound the Alarm. He's uh, my wife's best friend. We've known him for 15 years or 20 years almost. And um, uh I had this instrumental and I was like, this would be perfect for Patrick. I wonder if he'd be up for it. And I sent him the instrumental and he returned it with guitars and he played horns on it. He played alto tenor and trumpet. He plays all these instruments. He played guitar on it. I said that, um, and did, uh, vocals and harmonies. And, um, well, I got Jason Allen Butler from, Fever 333 to write the lyrics. And so it was a fully collaborative song. And then like the Angela Moore song, that was just, um, I had an instrumental and I was like, who's gonna be fun to collaborate with on this vibe? And we had run into each other shortly before I had reached out. And so he was fresh on my mind and uh, yeah, I mean, he was perfect for it. He's just such energy, that guy. and. Uh, 
so some of it, some of these instrumentals, I'll, I'll hear them and I'll think of like, what, what is the energy and who would fit it? And what am I trying to accomplish? And so like, I have some more um, industrial punk songs in the works. And so I'm thinking of reaching out to people that are in that world, you know, and tapping my resources and trying to see if even uh, friends of friends would be interested in doing it. Um, so there's a bunch of new uh, collaborations coming up and I'm really excited about. I don't know. I think I'm going to wait to disclose, I think. I'm not sure if I should or not, but I'll just wait till till I know for sure that I can announce it. Sounds good. Yeah, keeping busy. Like sounds like you know a lot of stuff, a lot of the stuff in your career. Just you know, always always working on something, working with different people. I guess you know my final question now. Like after this conversation, one thing that just kind of stuck out to me. You mentioned a little bit earlier. It's you know you have this EP coming out December eighth. What's it like to have your name on the cover? What's it like to feel like this? Even though I know it's a you know it's a production, like you said in the style like Mark Ronson. Just what's it like though to have this be something that's released under your name? It's not you working in a session. It's not you with a band. It's this is this is Stu Brooks. What does that mean to you? Yeah, that's a good question because it's totally relevant to like my mental uh, struggle over the course of this um, process. Um, because it, I have had a 22 or three year career and um, I've always known that like down the road, I'll do a solo record. And what does that look like? And as a bass player, it's like, do I do a bass record? Like, is it a kind of a solo bass thing or no, I'm not going to do that. I think um, having, well, I guess um, it's pretty important to me that this music that I put out under my name represents what I'm interested in at the time. And that's it. I, I went through this like mental uh, struggle, like, am I good enough or like imposter syndrome, like typical artist things. Um, and I just eventually just gave in and was like, I just got to do this and take out, um, ignore all the noise and the negative thoughts. Um, but th this isn't unprecedented. Like I'll take inspiration from artists like Mark Ronson, who isn't really necessarily um, the front man of the band, but he's the band leader. And that's something I've done before. And I have all these uh, relationships and I know that with the right people in, on my team, all the um, overwhelm will dissipate if I just like take one step in front of the other and I can rely on, on my team to, uh, to help me. And like, if I bring the right people together, um, uh, everything will fall in, into place. And so a lot of the initial fear and doubt is just like noise. It's not even real. Um, so with like, uh, doing some meditation and yoga practice and gratitude practice, um, I think I battled through that and now I'm in a place where I'm creatively just flowing and, um, and now I have the record, most of the record behind me and I'm quite excited and proud of where it's at. Sounds good. And what's the name of the record? Um, so far it's called the 40 Hertz EP. I, uh, and so I kind of rambled there a bit, but it, it is like, because 
it is a deep question. And um, uh, for me, as a, as having my name on, on it for the first time. Um, so uh, I apologize for that. But uh, it has been a struggle and I think I got through it okay. You know? No, no, no um, doubt. I mean, that was... That was a great answer. That was really, that was really cool to, really cool to hear. That's probably my, you know, really, really liked hearing that. So, so thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, I did this um, recent record with uh, Danny Elfman, the film composer, and um, uh, called Big Mess. I played bass on it, and then he asked me to do, uh, uh, like, curate in a remix record, basically a companion disc of uh, different versions of his album. And I'm basically, after doing that for about a year and finding 20 different collaborators, new collaborators, um, I found that I gained this um, muscle of connecting people and and collaborating, especially remotely. And um, I've taken that same method and kind of run with it for my own record, which has been very helpful, I got to say. That, yeah, I mean that that was one thing when I was looking through your bio. It was, it was was really stood out to me was how many different times you've collaborated with people. I've never seen anybody just and like throughout your career just work with that many different people. That's really really special skill and really cool to see that you know expanding the horizons like you kind of mentioned earlier. Just go, going in any absolutely. direction. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I had a great time talking with you, man. This is I'm really excited to hear the rest of the EP. Yeah, thank you so much. Again, a big thank you to Stu for coming onto the podcast. Remember to go down into the episode description. There, you'll find some links you need to see, including to Stu's music and his social media profiles, so you can keep up to date with him as his EP prepares to drop on December 8th. Plus, also links to the social media profiles for this podcast. Got some cool episodes coming up. You don't want to miss it. So, thanks for listening, and until next time.